All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the Fault Line Podcast, and I think we got that can snap proper crisp. So, I'm Alex Davis, I'm the host, and joining me, and, and the clicker of the can, is Tommy Flanagan. Ahoy! Oh dear, I didn't mute myself, so we're going to deal with some effort. <laughs> <but it's... Nice. laughs> and of course, on the sofas opposite me, uh, my esteemed colleague, Rafi Cohen. Hello. So, Tommy, you've had a mad week in virtual Vegas. Wow, yeah, what a week, I mean... Yeah, as you said, it would have been uh, very easy to get a hump, get the hump, and just um, imagine ourselves sipping cocktails on the strip, um, and and um, moaning about not having the super bumper NAB issue that that we should have had. But um, we've had a few weeks to get over it, and um, I'll tell you what, I'm really chuffed about how fault lines turned out. We, not only we've got loads of coverage from our own two-day what would have happened NAB live event, which is effectively six exclusive briefings kind of crammed into um two 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 one hour sessions and um and then two result and articles as well um but we've also got uh, roundups of the best bit from best bits from broadband world forum which was back in action this week in amsterdam it kind of uh, took on a hybrid uh, format but yeah physical event actually happening this week which is just crazy to think and also the online sct cable tech expo which is a, a big deal in the in the cable world which uh, went fully virtual um so there's loads going on it was weird because with all these other industry events going on it kind of felt like we were uh, almost like a content company competing for eyeballs which is you know that's 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 our that's our bread and butter that's what we write about every day is uh, is, is content companies so that's kind of strange but you know writing is still what we do still a publication at the end of the day um so i'm telling you that no other publication out there will have the kind of mix of original stories and fine detail of all these events um this week so it worked out pretty well in the end i'm really thanks happy and big thanks to um uh Roz, especially behind the scenes uh one day we might get her on the podcast um so you can find both of those uh videos on our shiny new youtube channel i had to slide that in uh, to this week's pod uh and uh so yeah, we're officially YouTubers now as well as podcasters. Shout out to our marketing guru Nat for knocking that up. And there you will find the star of the show this week, which ended up being my leopard print tie. And I've had an influx of people already asking me where I got it from. So just wanted to settle the record and say I, I, I got it from a, a charity, well, a present from my brother actually, um, who got it from a charity shop for a quid, I think. So yeah, support your local Sue Rider. Whatever the the US equivalent is, you reckon they have Sue Riders in the US? They definitely do uh, thrift shops there. Ah, that's yeah, that's, that's that's equivalent for our American readers. So um, anyway, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll just give you some some quick uh, snippets from uh, from the event. So I, I enjoyed um, um, on on day one. There was a great kind of spontaneous insight from Mark, who's in the cybersecurity team at uh, Detto. And he was talking about some of the, the kind of real life raids and crackdowns that the law enforcement teams have pulled off thanks to Adetto's highly skilled anti-piracy teams and, and technologies. And I asked Mark whether they ever get to see the body cam footage. And he actually said, well, no, no, we go one better than that. Sometimes we get invited to these raids, which is amazing. And all the years talking to digital security vendors of various sizes, flavors, I didn't know that they actually 
were able to get their hands dirty sometimes like that which and better still actually mark said um sometimes he goes into autopilot and starts interviewing people at the scene because he's a former detective <laughs> which i thought was a great little story a great little takeaway i mean you can get these technology and strategy lessons anywhere but these kind of informal and spur of the moment conversations you just don't really get them in the the virtual world that we've got um so accustomed to so i can't tell you how refreshing it was just to moderate these two panels and try to kind of strike a balance between a bit of educational value and a bit of light entertainment so um i, I also chucked in a few of these uh, trademark fault line elephant in the room questions too for our speakers which ranged from prodding mark about how Adetto was uh, strategizing in the watermarking business following the acquisition of Content Armor by Cinemedia, and then uh, asking Cinemedia about its plans for Cinemedia Go because um, we were promised some updates before the year is out. And um, if you remember, I, I spoke to the now former um, legendary chairman, Abe, um, earlier this year, who kind of agreed with me, surprisingly, that it was a little bit underwhelming and, and that new updates would be coming the end, before the end of the year. And and um, I'm, I'm going to keep pressuring here because we got a bit of a no comment answer from Elka from Cinemedia, who was great, by the way, apart from shutting me off on that question and, and going for the no comment. Um, she did a great presentation. Um, so uh, also got Chris from Canoe Ventures. Um, who's in the addressable ad world to throw some shade over Nielsen, as is tradition. I tried to extract a bit of gossip from the Xilinx guys on the ongoing takeover by AMD, which is going to be a real uh, force. Um, but they weren't budging there. So, yeah, please, um, uh, before I ramble any longer, check out those in full on our new YouTube page. Or if you prefer the written word, then head over to the actual fault line. So I'm going to hand over to... Alex and Rafi to talk about some actual business and technology now because I'm clearly just here for a laugh. <laughs> well, that Abe Peller chat is also on YouTube. So if you missed that first, oh, I'll yeah. head over there. Yeah, as well as our little Rethink TV webinars and things. So uh, I can do a bit of plugging before we get down that far. But thank you very much, Tommy. And of course, we'll jump across now to thank you. Rafi. And uh, for those of you playing along at home with the Fault Line drinking game, uh, we're going to tick off that box again because... It's Nielsen, isn't it, Rafi? What's what's happened this week? Um. Well, as well, in short, not much has happened. But what's really happened is if they've tried to put out a press release to try allay all the critics, such as ourselves, um, and it hasn't really worked. Um, as I've discussed at length already on the podcast, there's growing insurgency, um, both both among Nielsen's peers, uh, like its peer measurement companies and its clients. Um, who are all sick of it. Uh, momentum's really gathered in the past six months. Um, the Advertising Bureau is, you know, kind of gathering troops to overthrow it. Um, there are new kind of stars rising, such as VideoAmp. It's got its own cross-platform currency coming out around the same time as Nielsen's similar offering, Nielsen One, uh, towards the end of 2022. Um, and, you know, huge networks like NBCU, Viacom, CBS have also come out both in support of getting rid of Nielsen and in uh, in support of you know alternatives such as video art and clearly Nielsen are feeling the heat uh, as they put out a very hollow press release this week um, which I imagine really failed to call any tempers um, it was announcing this streaming measurement suite which sounds very shiny but then you take a look and really not much has changed at all um, 
they've renamed a bunch of uh, measurement segments and they've mer like the most useful thing they've done is they've merged some of them but it's really kind of too little to say you would have hoped they'd already done this um and they didn't really provide any new data they kind of just recapped where they got to in the past year which you know were some useful updates but really wasn't the monumental change that you really think they need after their reputation has been tarnished so heavily um so yeah kind of I don't know, we'll start with the good stuff. Um, they've merged their S-board and A-board ratings. Uh, you can now look at both in the same place, uh, which is obviously good, but long overdue. Um, they accompanied that with a kind of brag that it now captures 100% of OTT minutes, but surely this was the case before. Well, you'd certainly hope so. And if it's not that, if it wasn't the case before, that's really troubling. Um, but by merging SVOD and AVOD and allowing you to view both in the same place, it means uh, studios that are supplying OTT platforms can make better informed programming and distribution decisions, reaching key demographics. Uh, it also means that the streaming services can better analyze their audience profile against their competitors if they're looking to acquire new subscribers. Um, and yeah, Nielsen also noted that it's tripled its footprint of uh, streaming meter homes in the past year. Um, we know that it's got a lot of criticism for its panel in the past year. That's led to a lot of, you know, the snow, the snowballing um, kind of dissatisfaction with Nielsen. So, you know, they're clearly trying to show that they're at least sorting that out a bit. Um, and they're saying that they now have a new platform ratings data set that can break out distinct data from the top 17 OTT platforms in the US, which is around 85% of the streaming market. Um, so clearly they're trying to get that OTT house in order. There are also some advertising uh, updates. It doesn't say when, but at some point in the recent past, um, they onboarded Samsung and Vizio CTV adimetry. They've already got um, adimetry or measuring CTV adimetry from the likes of Roku, Roku Amazon, Hulu. Um, and this means that Nielsen is now tracking around uh, three quarters of CTV media spend in the US and around 85% of total digital video ad spend. Um, but ultimately, the, the problem kind of still remains. Uh, Cross-platform is still over a year away, and Nielsen's hands are clearly full just sorting out that OTT operations, which doesn't make us very hopeful for you know cross-platform arriving in time, which could mean that a video might beat it to the finish line and the, t the tide really starts to turn. Um, and just to top it all off, just showing the whole pointlessness of this whole thing, uh, there were some meaningless rebounds of measurement segments. Um, the slightly useful one was that SVOD content ratings is now called streaming content ratings. At least that shows that they're kind of merging things and widening the scope. But um, streaming video ratings is now called streaming platform ratings, and I'm not sure who that helps at all. Oh, you just got to shake things up a little bit. Um, just uh, yeah, take the edge off, make it look like you've uh, done some stuff behind the scenes. So I'm, I'm guessing, Rafi, we're not particularly confident that, that all that much has changed under the surface. No. Nice. Emphatic. Right. Great. Thank you very much, Rafi. We'll move on. Yeah, Boo, Boo Nielsen. Um, so we'll move on to our, our third and final long form. And um, if you're also playing the, the drinking game, here's your other one. It's it's an RDK um, article. And this week we had something from Broadpeak. It was a, a white paper and it's titled um, CPEs to open up and become smart or die. And the paper is is fairly subtle but it does seem to be more in favor of the latter position but that's at least for set tops and there were a few points of contention in here um and the biggest element was that it seemed to take this position that the set top cpe the development the innovation uh, behind that was done 
almost out of the goodness of the operators' hearts, and that it was you know great that you could have Netflix and Prime and whatnot on your set top now, but the, that seems a bit like historic revisionism because the operators didn't choose to do that because um, they're altruists. They were forced to do that because of the threat of cord cutting. So that was the first sort of contention I, I, I kind of came across it in the logic at least that was there. And then similarly, there was there was discussion of the value of this innovation. But the CPE is tied to a service contract where you're paying for, ultimately, you just want broadband. And the video service is inextricable from the CPE itself. So it's not ever like a situation where back in the day you could pay just for the modem, but you could bring your own Wi-Fi router and, and therefore you could choose the most innovative Wi-Fi router and, and that kind of thing. With the with the video um, decoders, the, the demodulators, they they were inextricable and you had no choice. And if you nowadays, because the video services are are being broken apart from the CP and you can get everything over the top, the the, the better comparison there is is you know here's here's a thirty dollar Chromecast or uh, you know a fifty dollar Roku, and would you like to pay two hundred dollars over the course of two months for this Comcast Xfinity X1 setup? And if you're talking about consumer value, no one's going to pick that setup. Like they're just they're going to go for the cheap one. So it was it was a, a bit of a strange underlying bit of logic there that I don't think quite stands up properly. And then the paper moved on to discussing home gateways, and it's quite correct there that there's been far less attention given to those and that you should be looking to those as the, the heart of the home because they're the thing that serves you know video to all of the devices inside and therefore it's in the operator's interest to actually have some innovation on that front. And that's fairly convenient because Broadpeak's Nano CDN, uh, of course, does a bunch of shiny multicast ABR stuff. And that's where the, the discussion in the paper sort of shifted to about future uh, roadmap and investment and whatnot. And the, the shift from processing workloads being on the centralized cloud and into the distributed, I almost said decentralized, distributed uh, edge so that it's closer to the customer and you can do more sort of processing and personalization. And because it's closer, you, you can kind of enjoy the benefits of uh, you know edge computing and whatnot. So that, that piece was quite correct. But um, the, the reason I tripped up on, on distributed and decentralized is that is, that's the topic of our next forecast. And moving to a decentralized CDN uh, and, you know, multicast ABR being a, a follow-up topic of ours, that, that shift is happening. And that that's the far more interesting thrust of the paper, I think. But because it was so understated uh, and in the subtext, it was, yeah, it wasn't so so punchy. Um, but no, we like Broadpeak, but to see sort of the RDK stuff um, trotted out as this innovative platform where the main thrust of RDK was, oh, oh balls, guys, we, we, we screwed this up. How are we, how are we going to make sure no one turns away from Netflix? Oh, we'll put Netflix on the set top. Like, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not a value add there. It's, it's like a move of, of desperation. So, um, yeah, there we are. That was RDK. So You know what I loved about that? The added drama from all the sirens in the background. We definitely should have shut the windows, shouldn't we? 
Yeah, our windows are that leaky. <laughs> it probably just come through. For, for those who've, well, I don't think anyone listening to this will have been to Rethink Towers, but we're right next to Temple Meads in Bristol, which means, unfortunately, we're right next to the British Transport Police, um, who who love to fly um, up and down with the sirens on, the blues and twos. But uh, yeah, there you are, a bit of background ambience. Yeah, right, sweet. We'll move on now, of course, as a tradition, to the worth noting section from five years ago. So, Rafi, what was happening? Um, in the run-up to the Broadband World Forum, um, GFAS tip leader Scipio was fighting out with Broadcom. Um, they were kind of both dropping various product announcements that were kind of mirroring each other quite aggressively. Um, so first up, Scipio, in partnership with Calyx, had um, just uh, allowed bi-directional allocation of bandwidth in twisted pairs with his new dynamic time assignment technology. Um, it also just um, dropped a new 212 megahertz variant of GFAST, uh, which was double the previous speed. Uh, but Broadcom was quick to kick back just days later uh, with a second generation chip offering equivalent speeds and a suspiciously similarly named technology dynamic time allocation as opposed to dynamic time assignment. Um, and it looked like Scipio was the main force driving change in the industry, but um, Faultline said that Broadcom was close to matching it stride for stride. Poor old Scipio. Yeah, rip Scipio. Yeah. Oh. That's funny because that um, I'm pretty sure I was at that um, event. And it was at the Excel Centre in, in London. I passed reference to um, the Excel in a, in a, def- a different story this week. And I, I think I described it as decaying. Um, <laughs> in in contrast to the uh, the glitz and glamour of uh, of Vegas, so. yeah, it's a weird place, the XL. But uh, no, Rip Scipio, you know, part of Sequans, and Sequans is best known for yeah, uh, LP WAN stuff, which is completely outside the remit. Mm-hmm. So rest in pepperoni. Right, uh, Tommy, other highlights? Yes. Um. So our friends at Plume, which is the Wi-Fi software pod company, turned smart home um firm. and full disclosure i'm best mates with the ceo furry by the way um they've just Thanks. landed a another 300 million dollar investment round um that takes their uh, valuation to about 2.6 billion dollars which is uh, just insane and I, i'll spare you the details but the the thing that i was kind of a bit confused about is because i was looking at some of the the numbers and um uh, plume. Uh, we're looking at the, the households. Uh, a plume should be on about 30 million active households by now, based on numbers it claimed. And Airtie's most recent figures state 33 million homes. So going by that, Airtie should be worth a lot more uh, in terms of valuation. But I, I suspect that because it's not an American company, that it probably isn't and plume has got uh comcast behind it uh after all but um yeah good for you very well done yeah we're, we're busy mates <laughs> and i think that the best part is that plume is now touched by the wonderful guiding hand of softbank which is famed for its wise investments uh into uber WeWork, and probably <laughs> OneWeb. but we'll see how they pan out. yeah <laughs> not cursed at all no no it knows what it's doing that soft bank right cool um final bit uh vaguely related one web uh boeing has finally submitted like its application uh, to the sec to have its 147 unit uh, broadband constellation improved the chance of it getting approved is almost certain because the FCC doesn't put these things to a vote um, unless you've like ticked all the boxes so it's almost a rubber stamp but the interesting part is 
Uh, Boeing is also a member of the United Launch Alliance, uh, which is like a partner for, well, it's a customer really of um, Amazon's sort of Blue Origin uh, sibling. And then the question is if, if Boeing is finally sort of bringing this back from the dead, essentially, to get a, a broadband constellation up, um, you would have thought it would be a natural partner to Amazon's Project Kuiper. Uh, so that, that might not be going well behind the scenes, but no one will tell me that publicly so i'll just recklessly speculate uh and with that we've reached the end of fault line 910 one edition hey tommy but fault line 911 what's coming up we have a catch up with our buddies at 3ss um long overdue see what they're up to they should have been at our um virtual nab really so i'll give them some stick about that um also, I'm going to tune into an event that I've never heard of before. It's called Piracy Monitor's 2021 Video Security Summit, which spans over two days. So if it's good, then there will be some uh, security stuff in next week's phone line. If it's shit, then there won't. Well, fingers crossed. We always <laughs> cross our fingers for good content. So with that, thank you very much, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you uh, next week, of course. Head to rethinkresearch.biz, where you can find... Uh, a free sort of four-week trial to, to fault line you can take a read in that big old archive in there if you fancy braving our search engine uh we've got rethink tv executive summaries coming up as well of course head over to youtube now and uh if you could leave us a nice little review maybe do a subscribe and if you've got any juicy goss uh reach out uh, give, give us a bell let us know and with that we will see you next week bye bye yeah but it's not normally this many people in the building the toilet door has been just been slamming constantly behind me so apologies for that uh listeners yeah. and yeah uh, see you next week bye bye <laughs> cheers <laughs>